Kennedy Street, please visit kennedystreetcio.org. Recovery is possible. Every single time. Every single time it gets me. Hello, everybody. My name's Claire Kennedy, and welcome to our Kennedy Street Live, where we, where we have a weekly recovery chat. Um, we call it hashtag recovery talk, and we invite some fabulous guest speakers to come along and um, to chat to myself and often Kevin. Um, who, when he's not at work doing his day job, he comes along and helps us with our charity. Um, yeah, so um, yeah, today we've got a lovely gentleman who's a dear friend of a dear friend of ours called Graham Miller, um, and he's come all the way from Nottingham via Zoom, um, and he's going to chat to us a little bit later about um, his brilliant project, a really brilliant project. Kev's experiences, but I've never been to visit you yet, have I, Graham? But we've not managed, no. Yeah, I think we're going to have to rectify that once this COVID's all sorted. Um, yeah, so Graham's going to fill us in on all the great work that he does in in that part of the world around recovery from addiction. So, so what I always do every week, Graham. So please forgive me if I'm repeating myself, and you've heard me say this before. But often we get new people listening every week, so I just explain a little bit about what we do at Kennedy Street. Um, so um, Kevin and myself have been helping people for 22 years now um, into recovery in the community. And um, about eight years ago, we moved to Brighton and started a um, community project it's called Kennedy Street. Um, and we re-registered um, as a charity a week before lockdown. And it couldn't have come at a better time, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um We've not stopped. Um, we've what's happened because of COVID is we've um, got a national helpline that's emerged, um, a national recovery helpline. So people ring us up um, who are interested in recovery. They might not know much about recovery. They might have already started the journey, or they're not. They might not be sure where to go next. So we we just have those supportive conversations. Really give people an opportunity to. To just take those tentative steps, um, and yeah, all of our volunteers are in recovery, so we're a peer-led project, and we do what we can to just connect people to the amazing resources that are available in the community, but often people just don't know much about them. So that's what we use this platform for, um, just to, to, to give people a little bit more information about the great work, and mystify the work that's going on in the community. So, yeah, it's an absolute joy and privilege. So I'm going to hand over to my gorgeous husband, who's just back from a foreign country, um, um, who's been excitingly doing stuff, which we can't talk about. Um, But I'm sure he will just say hello to us. So, over to you, Ken. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name's Kevin Kennedy. For those who are listening on the uh, on the pod, uh, if you want to put a, a face to the name, um, I used to be in Coronation Street. Uh, I played Curly Watts, so now you have a, a face to put to this dulcet tone. Um, I am the um, patron of Kennedy Street. I'm very proud to do so. Um, and 
I have actually today's guest is a, is the lovely Graham Miller who runs various uh, things up in Nottingham. Uh, one of them being Sobar, uh, which is um, a lovely place in Nottingham, which is run by people in recovery. I have actually been there when, on my travels. It is a marvelous place, um, and if you are a Nottingham based please go along and give them some support uh, i think they really need it at the moment so please please go on to into so it's just down the road from the uh, lovely uh, theater royal in nottingham uh, that's one of the many things that graham does because he is the um chief exec of double impact services east midlands drug and alcohol recovery charity so uh, i will let graham um tell you all about it so i'll hand it over to you hello graham how are you Oh, I'm good, Kevin. Really great to see you again, and good to see you again, Claire. Um, maybe maybe in Nottingham in, in the flesh the next time. And just listening to you guys, then there's, there's a lot of synergy. 22 years. Well, Double Impact is 22 years old as well. We started in '98, so that's a, a thing I didn't know this morning. Um, peer led. There's there's synergy there. Um, the, I'll go on and talk a little bit about the organisation, but we have you know very significant amount of our staff uh, and supporters are, are in recovery. Uh, we're both charities. And you used my favourite word, connect. This is all about connection, and it's it's great. And I'll say it right out the front, thank you for giving me the opportunity to connect to people that normally come along to watch you guys. But I think any any recovery connection, how small, how quick, how long, could be vital to somebody's well-being in their life going forward. So... Hopefully we'll, we'll spread a little bit of that magic today uh, to, to some other people across the country. So thanks for that opportunity. So um, a little bit about me. Um, people make assumptions about, you know, when you see people working in and running organisations about what their background might be. And I, I like to be quite honest, my background's family recovery. Um, my, my father was a, well, he called himself a hopeless drunk. So I'm, I'm quite happy to call him that. Um, he would drink to feel normal. Uh, he was a musician, and I see Kev's got his brilliant selection of guitars in the background. My dad was a jazz pianist, um, so he was in that industry of being away, being out, being on tour, um, and, and coming home very late at night um, in, in whatever state that he managed to get himself into to get up the next day and do it again. And he did that successfully for, for, for many, many, many years. Um, and as you guys will know, uh, quite often that can end up in some kind of hospital admission. Uh, and my dad's was, it was psychiatric, it was a locked ward, it was the lock and key. Uh, but fortunately, in that same building, uh, that same hospital, there was, uh, there was a, a, a fellowship meeting. So there was a Self-Help Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. Um, and uh, I think somebody gave him that sort of hand of saying, come along, give it a try. And I think the rest is history for him. He, he didn't drink um, until he died. So, uh, and he, he died in his uh, early 80s. Uh, and that was in his late 40s when, when he stopped. So that's during his drinking, he stopped when I was 13. So my childhood, as some of you might be able to imagine, was very coloured um, and, and, and very rocky. Um, and the reason I feel that I've kept a, a reasonably decent life myself was the strength of my mother in supporting the family, protecting the family, and trying to deal with him, as she would put it. Um, and she did it through tough love. 
she she got she she connected into family support. She went to Alan on family groups, um, which was her solace, which kept her alive. I think, um, and obviously as he got well, she she got well, we got well. Um, but I kind of I think personally, and this is a bit that, that I like to share is, at the age of seventeen, I felt things were good. Um, you know, Dad hadn't drank for a number of years. He was back in work. He was. He was about to start uh, getting back into his music as well. So, um, so I went travelling. I went away, and I, I was away for a good number of years. Um, and then I realised that actually I was running away because I hadn't dealt with me and my stuff that that I had experienced. I was very fortunately, my, my father uh, was never violent towards people. He would throw glasses at walls. He was that kind of hopeless drunk. Um, but, you know, he, he never beat the children or anything. I don't have that horror in my life. But I do have the trauma of living with an alcoholic and are they going to come through the door and what are they going to do next? And, and is there going to be food on the table? And, and, you know, that type of stuff, that worry that I suppose never leaves you. Um, in my mid-20s, I realised it took me that long. <laughs> yeah, do something about your own recovery. And that's when I really picked up me as a human and understood that I had more to give than, than just what I was doing. Um, I got involved with working with young people in a national charity, many of whom uh, were homeless, many of whom had problems that I'd been through, uh, and, and, and I did you know, 10 years of working for that national charity, which was absolutely fantastic. But then this opportunity came along, and, and, and this was almost, I wasn't given a job, but the application form was, always put, was almost put under my nose by a friend and said, that's for you, and, and it just simply said, we're going to start a drug and alcohol project that's going to help people. Well, actually, it said it's going to help people from heroin use to move away from heroin use and start to rebuild or restructure their life. Um, so I applied, um, uh, went to the interview, got the job, um, which was fantastic. But in the interview, there was a guy who was sat there, you know, tattoos all over him, biker jacket. He looked really scary. But when he spoke, he was enabling and soft and caring. And this turned out to be Tony Herbert. And this is Tony Herbert's brainchild. So if anybody ever says that whole founder syndrome, you know, and feeling like you're a fraud, I really am a fraud because this is Tony's brainchild. And he gave me the opportunity of, of realising that dream because he didn't want to do it. It wasn't his thing. Um, so so we've, and we, we've we sat with a, a, a single sheet of... Um, flip chart paper, I've still got it in the office today, and we scribbled down how do you get from from here to the hell of addiction to, to a structure in your life, and it was just written on one sheet of paper, and it's, it's quite a simple explanation we knew that people had to have a roof over their head, they had to deal with a pile of brown envelopes at some point um, with all the debts and past in it, that had to be dealt with um, they had to restructure their education or be educated for the first time because a lot of people will have left school at a very early age and not get any formal qualifications. And bottom line for us is when we started working with people and became peer-led is, I want to stop drinking. People always said that. I want to stop using. And I want to start the process of getting into work. Yeah. So if you look at those three pillars, we still do that today. That is the most important thing. Education, training and employment being one. Staying stop, stop drinking and staying uh, off the drugs. That's what people actually come into treatment for. And somehow, in my humble opinion, they get a bit stuck. 
And I think we've got a responsibility there as providers of these services to unstick people. It's not there. They come in, I want to stop. And they seem to be in there for a long time before they start to come into what we recognise is a recovery sort of structure. Um, so, uh, Graham, yeah, go on. Graham, can I just ask you one question? This is a technical question, so I'm sorry about this. Could you just put the collar down on your on your jacket because it keeps hitting oh, your microphone? Oh, sorry. Yeah, and there's a lot of crackling. But no, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I really do. I'm, I'm gripped by what you're saying, and I. I'll try and I'll try That's and do so much for that. I'll try and Thank do it in my head around that. It's not, it's just really a zip, zip on your um, colour, but no. So no, it's all... the, the humble beginnings of Tony's idea, um, I'll, I'll, I should really give you a bit of a snapshot. So the idea of, of providing something, and we were a one-to-one -one service that was just me for the first three years from 98 to 2001, working after individuals, their needs, and trying not to provide a service to them, but to get them to develop the skills they need to get those services for themselves to create that independence rather than the... Because it's easy to be dependent on services and family and friends all the time. People need independence to move forward. Um, uh, in 2001, we grew a little bit. We started to provide formal education as part of the offer. Uh, so we, we started with a basic IT course, which we, we still give those skills out today. We help people with their basic maths, English, all that type of stuff, literacy, uh, if they need it, because some don't. Some, some come to us that don't need any of that. Um, and we started our first ever simple group program. So we had um, groups on offer where people could come along, learn from each other, peer groups, guided peer support, that type of thing. Um, and then the government started to invest in drug and alcohol treatment. And that's when we really grew from being a very small charity to um, where we are today. We, 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 we employ about 60 staff now just in the charity. Um, and then we've got Cafe Sobar, which the staffing levels are right down at the moment. That's because of the pandemic. I won't go into the, to that sort of um, But Sobar at one point um, was, was employing 12 people. Um, so, um, but with only doing a, a takeaway service. So the organisation, um, we, try, we try to meet those needs as much as we can. And what we do now is we firmly focus on personal development. This is now about a personal development program because what people told us is, please don't give me a care plan. I don't want to be in care. I'm not in care. I want to move on. That care word gets people stuck. Calling it personal development gets people unstuck. Um, so everybody's got a plan. Um, and we've got now what we call our Double Impact Academy, which is our education, training and employment program, which we deliver at the moment almost entirely online, but can be done in a classroom type setting or a group room type setting. Um, and depending on how things go with the pandemic, I, I firmly believe we'll end up with a bit of a blend of some people in classrooms and some people online, because it really helps with, if you look at Nottinghamshire and Lincolnshire, two of our big operational areas, they are so rural. Yeah. And you might be expecting somebody to sit on a bus for two hours to get to a one-hour meeting to then sit on a bus to, to go home for two hours. I'd rather that we keep some of that online because those numbers have gone up. Those people that want to access us remotely have gone up uh, during the pandemic. Uh, so, yeah, so that's a little bit about the organisation. Um, and like yourselves, we have, we have 
you know, we've got a charity, we've got trustees, and then we've got our social enterprise. Now maybe just round off by talking a little bit about Cafe Sobar. So one of the one of the rules, and I'll say this to, to both of you today, is we don't believe there is such a thing as a stupid question or a stupid idea. We've got plenty of stupid answers, um, but um, stupid questions are okay. Uh, and, 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 and one of my team, along with one of our um, the people who use our services, said, we, we, need a, we need a cafe. We need, and they called it, you know, they, called, they came to me and said, some kind of serenity place, a serenity cafe or something like that. And, um, but we think it's a stupid idea. And from, from that day to actually opening Cafe Sobar was about four years. So that it wasn't a stupid idea. And, uh, you know, funders believed in it. We believed in it. Um, and and if it, Kev will tell you, it's a contemporary... Look, I mean, look it up online. It's a contemporary venue. It's beautifully designed. And it feels... It just feels right. It doesn't feel like anything... Or I'm not being derogatory towards community cafe, but it doesn't feel like a community cafe. It feels like a place that you want to be seen in the centre of the city without alcohol, yeah? So you want to be seen and see other people. Um, and there's various fellowship groups, so various self-help, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous, for example, runs out of that building, so you can walk in there. People don't know if you're going for a coffee or if you're going to anywhere or a meeting. You just go through a door and there's a meeting upstairs. Uh, and and yeah. unfortunately, we can't host them at the moment because the, the COVID rules don't allow us to have you get there's 25 people coming um and 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 the room currently in its configuration would allow five or six at a max so we're really struggling with that but so yeah cafe sober has been going now for about six years um we've been really fortunate and i'll do a little bit of a shout out for the nat west the nat west put up a grant scheme for businesses that were struggling um, and they've given us some support to help us through the difficult winter and hopefully through to a vaccination programme and out the other end of, of this pandemic. So that's, I mean, it's great that, you know, there's, there's such competition for, for money to support charities, for, for an organisation to take a bit of a risk and say, well, this is different. This has got a chance of a business bounce back. Uh, so we're really excited about that support and things like the National Lottery um, and, and then right down to the people that fund us locally, the local authorities, uh, you know, Nottingham City Council, Lincolnshire County Council, the, the big funders who still see that there's an important place for recovery. I think they get it. I think they get the money invested in recovery is a saving in people reaccessing treatment. And I'll just round it back to Tony. Tony told me when I first met him, he had 22 attempts at stopping. Yeah, 22. And, and the last one almost killed him. And then he stopped, yeah. And he said, it shouldn't be that difficult or that complicated. It doesn't need to be, yeah. So that's when he came up with the idea of bringing these different social connection facets that are needed to keep somebody well in a good direction and getting on with their lives. So that, that's a bit about me and the organisation. So thanks for that opportunity wow. to, to talk about it. Amazing. Truly amazing. I'm, I'm always fascinated by how projects came about. Um, and, yeah, what, what a great guy Tony Herbert is. Is he still involved with your project? Tony passed away. Oh, did uh, the old, uh, The old uh, damage that he did to his liver caught up with him. Um, oh. So, yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah, that's... Yeah, but we... Uh, fortunately, very fortunately, we had... Uh, uh, we dedicated part of our building... 
in, in his name um, and his mum came along and, 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 and some of his family. So the, the name lives on. Um, in, in the, it's, actually, it's actually the room where all the self-help meetings happen, which I think is really appropriate because he was a big advocate of self-help. He's a big believer in it, so yeah, yeah. What an amazing man, and God rest his soul. Yeah. Um, but he's like you say, you know, it's the the legacy lives on, doesn't it? Mm, it does. It does. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing, amazing testimony that. Thank you so much, Kev. Have you got any questions that you want to ask Graham? Just unmute myself there. Uh, yeah, thank you for that, Graham. And I have to reiterate what you said about uh, Sobar. I, I've been in it, and it, is, it, it looks like a very high-end mm. coffee shop. Uh, and it, it's brilliant, and the atmosphere is amazing. Um, could you tell me a little bit about the, um, the problems which are um, prevalent, really, in Nottingham, your, your surrounding area? Uh, because you know people that hopefully will be able to use uh, the, the sobar and uh, and all your services are from that area. Um, so, what would they do? What is the problems for that area, and how would they get in touch with you to to to, okay. to start their, their road to recovery? like anywhere else, Kev? The, 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 I think not Nottingham City, for example, is is it's very high up on the, the poverty and health inequalities sort of league tables if you like um, unlike the football club which is not at the top of its league table so um, I'll leave that one for another day um, so uh, drug problems are, are as high as anywhere else in the country um, alcohol problems uh, similarly uh, there's a large student population so there's a lot of I suppose if you like uh, new drug markets around if you've got 60,000 students that's going to attract new drug markets it's also a massive city centre drinking culture. Nottingham's not a big city, as you well know, Kev, but to have 60,000 students. No wonder we went from not having a problem with, with COVID infections to having the highest in the country as soon as the universities went back. I'm not talking about students misbehaving. That's just what happens when you bring 60,000 people into a small uh, city centre. I think they got a bit of a raw deal. And some of them were naughty, but I remember what I was like when I was a student, so I can't possibly comment. Um, so that, that, that's the, the, the problems, the long-term unemployment, uh, and you've got it across Nottinghamshire, you've got it in Lincolnshire as well with the, the problems of the rural community. So we've got all of that going on. Um, and our services really are designed to support people once they've taken that decision to stop. And the majority of them will, will either be in a treatment possibly a clinical treatment programme where they're getting support from a treatment centre or they're getting support from their GP. Um, and other people will be in rehab and looking to re-establish themselves back to Nottingham. And that's that's the best time for us to pick people up, is that sort of... Um, as, as early on in their recovery journey as we can meet them, we'll, we'll do that process and start the process of building the future uh, with them. Um, more recently, and a bit like yourselves, there's there's a lot of demand of, of people who are trying to access help and, and they just don't know where to go. Uh, and people um, being forced to be at home together and people realising that it's not as rosy as it is and, and, and somebody's drinking dangerously here, somebody else is using drugs in the house that they weren't aware of. And those family members, and this, it resonates with me, are, are then phoning up for support and help. 
And for, for one reason or another, they're not going direct to the people that can help them. So a bit like yourself, a lot of signposting uh, is becoming, that's been very uh, high during the, the last 10 months and also increasing. Um, and alcohol is increasing quicker than anything. And at any time that I've experienced in the last 22 years, people looking for alcohol support. I think that's a big one. Um, so getting in touch with us, uh, it, it, it's straightforward. Obviously, there's the, there's the website, so you've got doubleimpact.org.uk, and maybe, Claire, if you nod, if you tell me that's going to get on Facebook as well, hopefully. And yeah. I've been scrolling it across the bottom Brilliant. of the screen yeah. as you speak. Yeah. So, there uh, we go. As if I'm... That's exactly how you get in touch with us. That's it. Um, actually, if, if you ring that phone number today, I shouldn't say it. It'll be me that picks up the phone. I'm not a I've got the phone for today, so yeah. Um, um, so what we try to do with people, we, we start quite simply with, with making a connection with people. Is um, they'll either get, you know, they'll get a call from one of the team, they'll get invited along on pre-pandemic times to a connect group, but during the pandemic you'll be invited to a connect Zoom. Um, now, I know there's, there's that technological divide that not everybody's got the technology, um, I, I would still say to people, get in touch. We will try to find a way of getting people connected. Um, it's been difficult, but we've managed to do it. I've had staff sitting on people's driveways at the start of the pandemic, teaching them how to use a tablet and connect it to the internet so they can get to the Zoom meeting that afternoon. And if that's what it takes, um, and maybe there's some people out there that, um, and I know you've done it, clear that would recycle laptops and we could then distribute them. Um, so there's, a, there's any way that we can find a way of getting people connected. Um, and I think that connection is, is so, so important for people. So that's a little bit about us, Kev. You, you, did, you did mention that you get a lot of people who are, are in recovery, or not in recovery, but are, are in rehabs uh, who are looking for the next stage. Yeah. But do you cater for people who are right at the beginning, who, who, who the first contact, if you like, and I know that you, you like those words like contact mm. uh, and it's self-help. Uh, I think that's very good. It's very important. But if someone's like right now is just... Um, beginning their journey, have decided today that they're going to ring someone, um, will you accept their phone calls and, and will you signpost them or help them straight away? If somebody phoned me today, I'd be able to connect them into the services and the areas that we work in. It's quite straightforward because in Nottingham, um, we jointly provide the services with two other providers. So my staff work in there, yeah? So we've got staff work. So... There's a triage service there, and I hate using those words, but there is a triage service. If somebody called me today, I could get either them to phone the triage or got somebody from triage to phone them. Same in Lincolnshire. We work with uh, We Are With You, who were formerly Ad Action. I think this is we, we actually met through a connection of Ad Action, Kev, at um, a conference that you spoke at. I think that's when we first met many years ago. It might have been Glasgow, actually. It was Glasgow. Um, so in Lincolnshire, we work with, uh, we are with you, and again, we would signpost. Because we work in the same buildings, we're not disconnected. We, we are a fully integrated system, both in, 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 in Nottingham and in Lincolnshire. So, yes, if somebody phones up, that they're not just going to, we will try to connect them. That's, that's mm. the commitment we make. Yeah, yeah. Because the, we know, I know, the hardest thing is picking up the phone. That's it's so hard. Mm. Um, 
Yeah. And, and unfortunately, I think drug and alcohol treatment's not equitable around the country. It's well, we get people phoning from other areas because, well, I can't get the help. Yeah, they're telling me it's I've got to wait for two weeks before somebody will phone me back, or you know, and it shouldn't. It shouldn't. You must hear exactly the same as that. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's uh, it's quite soul destroying for the individual to be palmed off again. So, if we can avoid one less or make it one less palm off or one less handoff. Um, yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. So if you're actually listening to this or you're actually watching this and, and now's the time, um, this is what, what Kennedy Street do and, and what Graham Miller does is you, the, the help is instant, whereas mm. if you go to the social services, you, they're not their fault because they're understaffed and they're underfunded and the rest of it, as we all know, you will get... Um, help immediately folks so and that's important so and it's I, I, we understand how difficult it is to to make that first contact and and if you do that i promise you if you ring either kennedy street or graham you'll get that help you need straight away certainly signposted in the right way mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and i think that's what we've been finding a lot of because i mean obviously but i know what a great job you're doing and and what we found is that during the lockdown, especially the first lockdown, um, especially in the area that we live in, Sussex, um, because the, the, the service providers are so big, it was very difficult for them to get online. So little charities like ours, which are peer-led, which are right in the middle of, at the heart of what we're doing, and we're run by people who are actively engaged in recovery, we were able to um, connect people far more far quicker and efficiently and and, ba- and and basically work with people whilst we we were able to connect them with services um you know and like you say you know it, it's not been easy it's not been easy at all during covid but during this lockdown period the the capacity for us as a tiny tiny organization in comparison to yourselves to connect people with recovery in the community mm-hmm. and connected and stay you know in a conversation um and keep the build the momentum with people um has been phenomenal it's been phenomenal because the only option people have had especially in sussex is is um community integration into fellowships mm-hmm. uh, but if you don't know how to do that, you, you don't know how to do that. So that's where we've come in um, and just connecting people virtually. The success rate's been phenomenal, really phenomenal. Um, but it is great to work in partnership with, you know, big companies like, you, like yourself and, and big service providers like in our area, it's CGL. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we work very closely with CGL because they do do the, the clinical side um, you know, where... Uh, what please? Um, it's for Change, Grow, Live. So um, it's like Graham was talking about ad action. So these are big, like big service providers that um, have got hundreds, if not thousands of staff all over the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they they generally win what they call um, public Public Health England tenders, which means, so CGL, Change, Grow, Live, um, the, the contract for Sussex will come up to provide drug and alcohol services. I feel like I'm explaining this to Kev, but I am explaining <laughs> to the public as well because people don't understand how it all works. 
and forgive me, Gary, if I'm wrong. So pre- please tell me if I'm getting it, um, you know, um, compl- complex. But uh, yeah, so they win the tenders. They they bid for tenders, don't they? Um, yes, they do. Yeah, yeah. You've got it absolutely right. Yep. There we go, Kev. So a little a little lesson in tendering from Public Health England, how Public Health England works. But often, because of the size of these organisations, it's very difficult for them to react quickly. So that's where little little charities like ours come in really handy. Um, what help can you give immediately to, to someone who, who rings you up and say, right, I'm, I'm, ready, to, I'm ready now uh, to, to stop. Um, I've decided today's the day. Uh, what can you do for me straight away? So I, if you were phoning me now and you were Nottingham-based, I would put you in touch. With, it's called Nottingham Recovery Network. That's what they're called. Um, you can look that up online. Um, and I would ask you to contact them directly. Now, if you didn't feel that that was the, you know, you'd made one phone call, you just, you didn't have the, I don't know, the energy to, to make another one, uh, um, we, I'd say, just let me have your details. I'll give your details to the team and I'll ask them to call you. And that would start the process. And right as you guys well know, right throughout the, the whole of the pandemic, those first contact points have stayed open. Yeah, People have this myth in their head that people aren't working. All of those staff are frontline staff and I can assure you they've worked all the way through. Um, and that's really reassuring and they've done a fantastic job of keeping our current people safe and trying to see new people at the same time. So, yeah, I would, I would always encourage somebody to make that, that first approach. And how confidential is it? Because uh, I don't want my wife to know or I don't want my work to know that I've actually been in contact. I know that this doesn't happen, but, you know, people are paranoid and, mm. and in some cases, quite rightly so, that if I'm using something like this or a telephone call or a Zoom, that people will know that I, uh, I'm contact, contacting people with, uh, who, with, the due to, with a view sorry, to, to help me with, with my alcohol problem. I don't want people to know that. It's a really, it's a really good point, and uh, in my experience, unless there's a safeguarding issue with with, with children and families and, and vulnerable adults, it's completely confidential. Um, and I think the one that came in over recent years is the risk of terrorism as well. So if that was involved, you, you're duty bound by law. Um, but your general, your normal confidentiality, you know, you know, people are not going to be phoning up employers and saying this guy's come along, you know. Uh, or that this lady's come along and, and, and disclosed that they're using drugs. Uh, so it's, it really is around safeguarding would be the only time. And I, I'm happy to I'm happy to say that it's important people know. Um, but yeah, not going to phone somebody's wife or husband and say uh, Johnny's drinking. You know, yeah. So, yeah. And uh, how much will it will it cost me to uh, to get in touch with you and to to uh, access these services that that you can provide? This is my favourite part. And I will quantify it. It is completely free, yeah? Um, if, if, if the person comes along and gives it 1% commitment, we'll try and put 100% back in. Um, the only uh, bit that isn't free is if you come to Cafe Sober, you have to buy a coffee. So I'm sorry about that. If it's free, I'd make it free. Um, but, well, in, say, in saying that, we did the, um, the Marcus Rashford campaign during the, the half term, so we did do... Uh, free uh, meals for children and, and free drinks for their, their, their parents. Um, and we've just, um, I just found out before I came online this morning, a local company in Nottingham called The Treat Kitchen. Big shout out for them, The Treat Kitchen. You can buy their stuff online. They're fantastic, by the way. And the, we are their charity of the year. 
So a, a definite plug for the treat kitchen. Um, and they've just done a, a Black Friday fundraising campaign where you could give something to Double Impact and, uh, and they put some of the profits over to us. And that's going to pay for, if we are out of the restrictions, that's going to pay for uh, family uh, children's dinners over Christmas. So that's really good news. I just found that out this morning. So well done to them and, and thank you and, uh, on behalf of the families that have already benefited and will benefit from that because, as we know, feed, feeding the hungry wins, as we say in Glasgow, um, yeah, it needs doing. It needs doing. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, well done, Treat Kitchen. Love the work that you're doing. And it is so important to, to, to get alongside um, charities. Mm. You know, we've got some good companies in Brighton who get alongside us and do fundraising on our behalf. And, you know, just there are some amazing people out there. And the thing is, is now more than ever, I mean, the people that, we, that have been ringing us um, on our helpline are generally are people that may not have accessed services before, mm. you know, people that are struggling and they might have had underlying um, addiction issues before the pandemic and and they've just emerged like they've gone off like a Polaris missile during the pandemic because of the fear and isolation and you know what it's like if you've got an addiction problem and then you put all of this uncertainty in and just fear on top of it and and people losing the jobs you know we've had mm. a lot of people <coughs> that have been furloughed initially and um, dads have been furloughed um and then they've lost the job you know so it's it's so th so the provision that the treat kitchen are you know providing with you guys yeah. it's not just the, the 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 people that we expect mm. that will be accessing these types of provision there's people who who may never have had to reach out and ask for help before asking for help. And, and I mentioned earlier on about, you know, getting people into employment. Treat Kitchen's one of the companies that is very good at doing that with people who have come through uh, our journey. So that, that's, you know, they, they, they really do put their money where their mouth is. And, and, and that, that hasn't always gone smoothly, but they've not walked away from it. They've stuck with it and said, well, it's not going to happen with everybody, you know, so, yeah. So... If I sort of rang, I mean, I want to stop drinking. Could you help me get some employment um, after I've, uh, uh, if I, if I, I get sober and or get on into recovery? Can you help me find uh, employment? And and if so, how how long would that would that actually take? What's the process for that? Okay, yeah, um, we do do return to work everything we do is geared towards returning to work so um starts with education if people need any education or training or retraining um, and then we have connections with employers we've got staff that are dedicated to getting people into work that's their job um so they'll do your cv they'll do your interview prep we had the weirdly we had the hmrc in to do some mock interviews with us. So it's part of their staff development to get people coming out and working with charities. Uh, so um, those kind of tricks are great because it makes it real for, for, for the person um, who, who needs to get a job. And then when they go, to, uh, go for a real interview, they've had feedback, they've had practice, they know what to expect uh, and, and how to deal with it. So that, that, that is one of the... You know, do you know, Kevin, like I said at the start, it, it, People want to stop drinking, they want to stop using, and they want to start working. So we've got a responsibility. How much time that takes, it will depend on the individual. But 
as soon as people are work ready, um, we, we would support that process. Um, and part of the work also involves if the person wants to do this with the employer and tell the employer about their journey, that we'll work with the employer too. So that if they do hit a bump in the road, the employer can give us a ring and say, we're not sure what's happening here. And we've done that on a number of occasions. And in some occasions, that stopped the person just getting sacked. Yeah, They've had a break. They've had two weeks off. They've realigned their recovery and got back in. And that's better than another two years of, of, of the hell of addiction. So. so if I'm in work already and I've got a job, but I'm just about hanging on, yeah. Um, if, if I partake in, in, in your face-to-face -face or one-to-one -one recovery, can you provide some sort of certification that I can give to my employers or will you in contact on my behalf with my permission to say this person has, uh, it, it has got a certificate or whatever? I'm sorry to put it in layman's terms, but this is for people who, who might have this problem. I want to show my uh, employees that, Yes, I, I, I admit I've, I've been drinking too much, but I'm doing something about it. Is that something you, you can provide? I would never say no to that because you're helping somebody um, hold that job down. And, and as we all know, if you're in work, it's easy to stay in work. It's much easier to stay in work than trying to get from unemployment back into work. So, yes, we do that. But obviously, the, the, I didn't mention the training that we, we provide is all accredited. No, sorry, it's not all accredited. We have accredited training and we've got non-accredited training. Um, and part of the accredited training programme is drug and alcohol awareness. So you do get a certificate for that that you could then show to the employer. And it's a conversation starter, isn't it, about, about what you're doing and the processes that you're working on. Uh, but, yeah, with somebody's permission, if an employer said, is this person getting support from you? How's it going? Uh, of course, we would we'd support that. And uh, if... Let me just say, Kev, I think... Personally, that is amazing because we know from our own experience of what we do and, and from Kev's experience as well, if you have got somebody who is in recovery within an, an, an organisation, within a business, and they have got this amazing knowledge, which it is amazing, recovery is amazing, then they can, and especially if they're open about it, and, you know, that they're not sort of hiding the light under a bushel and they know that other people can go. So when Kev got well, for instance, mm. he became like a go-to person. If anybody was struggling, then, and still to this day he's a go-to person. You know, if even other actors in the acting world know that Kev's in recovery, they will come to him and they'll have a conversation with him and just say, Kev, you know what, I don't know where to start. I think it's so important. I'm so essential in this day and age. So, mm. well, absolutely love that bit. Sorry, Kev, I had to say that. Yeah, no, thank you. No, it's, and it's right. But, um, I, but, again, I'm being devil's advocate here. If I, I want to help myself, right, but th this course, I, I don't like the word course, and the reason why that is because I'm not very academic. Mm. Uh, my writing is not the best, uh, and, and, and not, uh, my reading is not, is not the best. Um, is Is... Is a lot of writing and, and reading involved in this, or, or, or is it done in another way? As, as you know, well, you might not know, Kev, a lot of um, teaching methods and programmes nowadays, you can, you can do your work in different ways. Um, so, for example, you can do video work um, rather than written work. And not on all courses, but on some. But what we do have is, is trained and qualified tutors 
who will work with the individuals providing that literacy and numeracy support that they might be lacking. And, and within uh, educational training, that's allowed, yeah. So let's use every tool that we've got um, and let's not be ashamed of it because, you know, people didn't choose to have uh, poor literacy or numeracy. It might be a byproduct of their family history. It might be their own addictions that, that's brought that on. So, yeah, we work, we work with that and, and it's, 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 it's right that we do. It's, it's the best way forward. I'll mute myself. I have so many questions. I think you might have to come back another time because... Um, More than happy. Yeah, we, we've loved having you. But before we do um, finish up, I really want to ask about... I'm as passionate about recovery, um, about family recovery, as I am, you know, um, recovery for the actual the addict that's um, um, suffering. Um, do you do any... Do you do any work with family members? Do you offer them any support? So we've... We've started some family work, which is new to us in the last couple of years, in one of our uh, initiatives down in Boston. Uh, not Boston, USA, unfortunately, but Boston and Lincolnshire. Um, so, uh, yeah, we've got a thing down there called Boston Recovery Path Pathways, where we do work with the families. Um, in other, for example, in Nottingham and Lincoln, there, there are family services. We, we don't want to compete. We, don't, we want to uncomplicate it for people, so we just refer into the family services. Um, personally, I'd love to see us developing our family work because it's just so important. You know, I I, I remember that that shame uh, that I felt, and you know, always being the kid at school that didn't have the right blazer or I, I wore trainers and no shoes, and the trainers had holes in them. You know, and you just you just felt out of place all the time. Um, and personally, I left I left the thoughts inside my head too long. I would have liked support around that earlier, and that's. That's probably down to me, my own pride, and but you know, and, and maybe not knowing where to go. Uh, and it goes back to a lot of Kev's questions: How do you get help? Where do you go for help? So, um, yeah. but I, I, again, you know, the people that do it for free are amazing. You know, all those self-help groups out there, and and we've we've mentioned a few this morning. Maybe mention, for example, Al-Anon family support groups. Uh, it's a really great starting point for people. Um, yeah. And, and there, are other, there are other good methodologies out there too. We're not on the BBC, are we? Not yet. No. Maybe, maybe next time. Yeah. But there, well, there are lots ever. and lots of other support groups like Co-Anon, there's Fam-Anon, there's yeah. so many different anonymous fellowships for family members, but I think it's absolutely fabulous what you're doing. And Thank you. absolutely love. Um, and I, I personally think, you know, there is there is such a need for more knowledge around family recovery because um, it's not just the person that, that's suffering with the addiction that's impacted. Like you say, you know, kids, we do we do, do a lot of work with families, um, families that are affected because, you know, for every one addict, um, their addiction affects 10 people, but so does recovery. So, you know, it's just giving kids an opportunity to be around other kids um, and there's Alateen as well. I don't know if you ever went to Alateen growing up. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. And it just gives people that opportunity, especially young people who suffer quietly. Mm. Again, like you say, shame and stigma. Um, and because of the love of the parent, they don't want to be seen to be sort of criticising the parent. And they need a safe mm. place to be able to start to have those conversations where they talk about how they feel. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, there's... There's so much work to be done. 
Um, but thanks, thanks goodness there are places that people can start their adventures. Did you want to say, add anything else, Kev, before we... Say, usually I've got a load of questions, but Graham, as usual, is so um, eloquent and um, informational. I think I might have just made that word up. <laughs> but, but, uh, informative is the word. Informative, but I quite like informational. It's a good word. That, I, that you've you've covered everything, and again, Graham, I know because we've met before that you have a great passion for this, and I, I think do. that comes across. Uh, and I, I want to thank you for coming on. And I'll, again, I want to reiterate that anyone is in lovely Nottingham. Um, it was a beautiful city with really, really great, nice people. Mm. Please go into Sobar and show your support because um, it's there and it's for you. And just go along because it's a great atmosphere and I'm sure you'll be welcomed. Thank you again, Graham. Well, thank, thank you, guys. Yeah. Thank you so much, Graham. And, and like I said, I'd love you to come back next year um, once this whole this whole period is finished and let us know keep us up to speed with how it's all going and for sure in the new year we're definitely going to come and visit you um at cafe so bar um can i make one plug for the new year yeah please do so we're, we're going to do a virtual um event in february which is going to be get get fit for february and we as you know claire we're a bunch of crazy runners up here you know but i'm like with my running addiction but we're going to make an event that you can choose your own distance, you can walk, you can take your pushchair, you can carry your baby in a sling if you want to do that, or you push a wheelchair, or you can run. Set a distance, virtual event, raise a bit of money for uh, Double Impact. Um, so we'll we'll send you those links uh, in the next few weeks to, to that event. Yeah. You, might, you might even want to do one yourself. You yeah, go. please mm. do. We're happy to keep... It was great success. He did our five-kilometre challenge. We did a virtual five-kilometre fundraiser. Yeah. It was a soaring success. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there's loads of people out there who happily get behind you because, you know, we're all impacted, aren't we? And if we can support yeah. this amazing um, opportunity where we can encourage people to just take those tentative steps mm-hmm. towards recovery and start to have conversations and, you know... As you and I know, and as, as Kev knows, the first step is that asking for help, you know. So, yeah, if you've got any questions, feel free to ask me or, or our helpline. We've got trained peer supporters on there who can signpost you and connect you to amazing projects like Graham's. Or if you're somewhere else in the country, if you're in Manchester, we know about all, all that's going on in Manchester, mm-hmm. uh, Scotland, Wales. We've, we've got a resource list that's as, as long as as tall as I am at the minute. So we can connect people with amazing resources around the country. So thank you, Graham, for, for coming along and sharing your experience, strength and hope with us. I think you're amazing. And we want to wish you a very Merry Christmas, you and your beautiful oh, family. Thank you very much. And, and you guys stay safe and stay strong and keep the, keep the journey going, as they say. Keep the journey going. Oh, we will. Thanks for your time. Much appreciated. Thank you, Graham. Lots of love to you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas all. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Matt. I'm one of our volunteer fundraisers here at Kennedy Street. Thanks for listening. Your support is greatly appreciated. Please do head over to our website, www.kennedystreetcio.org, for information on how you could be involved in future fundraising campaigns or how you can donate to this great cause.